0: All right, um, so the question was referencing a video we shared with the dojo um, the the disappearing of traditional Chinese martial arts, not not just Tai Chi, but the old fighting schools and there was a comment that one of the instructors made that he can't teach it to his children and that he needs someone else to teach his children and the the question here is what what was that about it deals with the innate discrepancy between budo and the world. You you have to start there. If you look at the world, well, let's go back even further. Let's go back to um, this concept we use here in the dojo, worldview. So worldview is one of the four main aspects of training. Um, We have our nutrition, we have our fitness, um, we have our sleep, and we have our worldview. And these four aspects are utilized not not solely for their practicality, Uh, obviously there's a practical nature to them, but in particular because these are mainstays of our daily lives. And so when we bring them into a practice such that they are given direction and orientation and even governed, then we have a a more fuller investment of ourselves in the practice. And that fuller investment is is paramount to the technology of Budo, such that you can look at the ratio of self-investment To the lack thereof, and you will be able to determine your success or accomplishments, or the degree of effects in your Budo training. Well, this concept of worldview it it is a term that we used in the study of religion as a kind of neutral term. to expand upon the concept of religion. So some, when scholars were looking at this uh, anthropological phenomena of religion, it was easy in some cases to note and define what that is and therefore to identify it within a culture or within a historical time frame. But as you went across history and across the globe, your early on definitions, let's say we had a very basic one of, oh, there is some sort of church and you go to uh, some sort of ceremony or ritual once a week and you talk and think with various um, themes from various mythologies, but all of a sudden you reach another culture and they don't have a anything equivalent to a church, or they don't have a ceremony. And so a way to be able to speak about all of these things is, well, what do they have in common, and you get a broader understanding, uh, or you, you come to learn that you need a broader understanding, and that's where that view or that concept of worldview came from. So, for example, maybe you didn't have a church, but you had a worldview where there was some sort of centrality, or let's be even more broader, you had a worldview where there was some sort of spatial organization around the concept of centrality. So it might be a mountain, for example. It might be... Um, a river or a tree and you still had some sort of rule-governed behavior that made use of that centrality or that spatial organization by which you lived your life and understood your life and understood both the past and the present and the future But it was never a church. It was never a building with pews and steeples and things like that. So scholars made use of this concept of worldview. I studied the history of religions, and I have brought it into this training here. So if we look at Budo as a worldview, which is a way of understanding our subjective experience Of existence. We can contrast that with the worldview that for the most part goes unconscious, unconsciously lived. It's not that Budo is a hobby and you participate in it, it is a competing worldview. With what? With what I usually call the modern worldview, or the materialistic worldview, or the scientistic worldview. What is that? Let's just look at the act of material expenditure, of money. Let's look at the economy in the two worldviews. So a lot of times in the martial arts, you'll have people talking about uh, they need to save all these other martial artists who are getting conned and scammed by these fake martial arts. And you go, well, what are you saving them from? And they'll talk about the delusion. The, del- the delusion that they work. And the, the scam that their money is going to this. But there's a, like I said, there's an unconscious acceptance of this other competing worldview. Because where, where do they want, where does your money go then? Well, I need these new pair of shoes and the, if i get these new pair of shoes then i'm going to be this better thing or that more person and is that not equally delusional is is what about just the concept of this thing of paper money this kind of arbitrary value do in the world view, in the materialistic or the modern world view, money is not delusion. It's real. But it's real because people are participating in that world view. And those shoes will, in that belief system, make someone feel successful. But you can see through it. So, for example... Somebody points out, you know what? You got some cool shoes, but you're still lame. Or somebody who doesn't know the symbolism of the shoes and it holds no value over them. Someone outside of your discourse. And then let us not forget the fact that we all die. Now where's your money? So there's this kind of competition. There always is between worldviews. And what we're interested in is the fact that this competition isn't only between groups, but it is within ourselves as well. You can look at your penetration into the art and your sophistication in your practice as a competition between a modern worldview and a Budo worldview. Meaning, your advancement in Budo is proportionate to your withdrawal from the modern materialistic worldview. It kind of hearkens or echoes Merton's caveat, right? That our proximity to God is proportionate to our withdrawal from the material world. Well, at the individual level, at, at our own individual psychological level, you don't just change teams like you're changing a sport jersey. There is a homeostatic energy that does not release you from one worldview. It's not a simple thing. Because a worldview isn't just an academic idea. It is who you are. It is the life you live. It's not a purely intellectual thing. It will determine your imagination and even the limits of your doubt. This is what we meant when we used worldview in the history of religions. And it's not so easy to drop those things. There's going to be resistance within ourselves. And when it is we ourselves who are trying to adopt another worldview, we are basically resisting ourselves. And Budo as an extension of Buddhism has always existed in a dichotomy to the way of the world. What I term here the modern materialistic world. If there was an equivalency between these two worlds there would be no need for budo there would be no need for buddhism these these systems are basically telling you there's a way that we most that most of us live but there's a better way okay at the level of the individual that Dichotomy becomes a struggle within us, and the traditional way that we are assisted through parts of this struggle in Budo. is through violence. I think there is a cultural reason for this. The fact that it was warrior culture. Warrior culture involves people for which violence is an intimate thing. I imagine if if there was a way of music. Musicians would have used music to get other musicians to reach awakening. But warriors are violent people. Violence for the warrior. It's not just something they do, it is something they are. It's not a foreign agent. And so it's far from being something that should be avoided or abhorred. There, there is this sense of it being a tool. And so there's a utility to it. One they know full well is practical. So this utility is the second reason. It was, first reason, it was normal to them. It was them. That's their culture. Second reason, it works. Because a worldview is weaved through our entirety. And as such, our self is generated through it, nurtured through it, reified through it. And because of the psychological or the the mind-construct relationships between self and fear and pride, those homeostatic energies that keep us captured within a worldview. The warrior saw a way of generating a counter-fear, and to make clear the stupidity of pride. How? Through violence. So the deshi who is stuck On their own worldview will come onto the mat because the worldview is who you are, it is a being. You will do your technique with that. You're not doing ikyo in a pure sense. You're doing ikyo as an interpretation or as a manifestation of your worldview. So there's a constant usurping of the architectural curriculum and what the master of old would do would use violence and the energy of self-preservation to generate a catalyst by which you can become other to yourself i remember i was watching a video of of roy dean and he used to put out his testing testing videos. And like all good jiu-jitsu schools, it's about form, technique, the embodiment of principles such that struggling with all your might is Seen not as realistic, but as a lack of skill. But in this one test, you could see Roy was applying more pressure on the student. And people began to comment, like, wow, what? hey, what's going on? But as you watch the video... the way the video was set up is he's, the, the deshi is going with lower ranks and then at the end he goes with his instructor, Roy. And early on as I'm watching the video, I'm going, oh, this is not a usual Roy Dean student. This guy's muscling all over the place. He's doing the techniques, but he's muscling. And so when, he, when he's going with the instructor now, It made sense to me right away. Oh, yes, this is what a good instructor does. You will pay. You're going to pay. There's going to be a negative consequence for you being your usual self in a place where self-transformation is the goal. And to help Others understand another point of view. I expressed that point in a comment. That the guy is prone to muscling, and because he gets away with it due to either people being of lower skill or actually being weaker than him, he doesn't realize that this is an inferior skill level and just a continuation of who he was when he walked in. And the way to do that is to show that this is an inferior way of being. It is not success. And Roy ends up private messaging me yeah, that, yeah, that was, you were right on the money. And we've done that here, too. We've had our share of people who will come in strangely because... We have nothing for them. We don't have Federation certifications. We don't give a damn about rank. This weekend I was asked do you you guys issue rank somebody on the Facebook page? Do you guys promote and as we promote skill not cheap colored sashes we're concerned with skill development so we have but, but nonetheless we have people who will come in the door every once in a while and just won't let go Um, Let's just stick with muscling. So muscling, why is that? Why is that? Well, obviously it is oppositional to Budo. Why? And why is it part of the modern world? Because that is the psychosis of the modern world. I don't feel good inside. I feel threatened. I feel meaninglessness inside. There's something empty in me. If I could only get some power over some other people, I'm pretty sure I'd feel better. This is the psychosis of the will to power. The delusion. I have a hurting self. And the modern materialistic world posits that if you could rule and lord over others, that hurting self would stop hurting. If you look at the structural orientation of that hypothesis, it is a matter of manipulating that which is external to you. But if you look at Budo's sense, yeah, okay, you have this hurting self. You want it to stop hurting? Develop a skill in self-detachment. If you look at that structurally, the orientation is the exact opposite of the modern world. Don't fix what is external to you. Fix you. Don't keep the constructs of the hurt in place. Self, others. Deconstruct it. Drop the self. The other disappears. The pain disappears. It all goes away. These are competing worldviews. But people will walk in and rather than developing a practice in self-detachment, a skill in self-detachment, rather than seeking and gaining a capacity to deconstruct that pain model, that suffering model. They come in and they just try to overpower people. And if they're bigger or stronger or faster, it will give the delusion of success. But the the Budo worldview and the materialistic worldview, while they are two different worldviews, and while they are competing, they are not equivalent. The materialistic worldview with its power fantasy and its will to power solution to cease the pain, it does not work. It's pure delusion. It does not work. The Buddha worldview, with the seeking of the skill in self detachment and the deconstruction of that suffering mechanism, works. There's a practicality to it. It actually functions. But when this person comes in and is used to answering their hurt through their will to power, it's not that it's functioning, it's just Coincidental with their circumstances. Everyone they're doing it on in the dojo is weaker or less skilled. It's not a true test of efficacy. It's just coincidence. It's something you see in Musashi's Book of Five Rings. Ironically, For many people that advocate competition, they point to chapter 1, and they look at his mentioning of his 60 duels, and they stop there. They don't read the next paragraph where he actually says, I didn't really understand the martial arts. And I probably won out of just coincidence or luck or just the chance that I was fighting inferior people. You see, there's no, it's not true efficacy. And so the instructor who in all likelihood will have more skill and not uncommonly, be more fit. In classic Budo technology of self, points out the delusion through the tool of violence and issues a beatdown effortlessly. This is a difficult thing to do. Especially after a certain amount of years of training. I look back at my early decades, and it was quite common. I I had no problem. It was fully integrated. That's how you train. But through the decades, even as I've mentioned, I really have no interest in it. And my detour from it is because it started to make me not feel good. In the radio interview on O'Sensei on the earlier, I think it's the preceding podcast episode, O'Sensei commented on that and that was really, I could really identify with it when he points out, you know, when I do competitions and I beat someone, I actually, I don't feel good. Because as you practice there is a cons there there becomes a contrast, that that contrast between the materialistics modern worldview where the will to power functions unquestioned that comes to contrast the peace and the warmth and even the pleasure. That is derived from a mature Buddha practice. So you tend to just start avoiding situations where you know this is not a, a place of peace. Yes, you can you can walk in there. You can walk in there and remain a light and work as a bringer of peace but as your practice matures you tend to go I don't I don't feel like doing that I'm just going to go and do my prayers and I imagine that's what the founder was talking about it's not that he could not win those competitions. It's that his practice reached a place where he just wanted to do that. And so I, I look at my own past, I, I can feel that. I don't want to employ the traditional Technology of Budo that works to dislodge that homeostatic energy that keeps someone untransformed. So, my latest thing is if you don't want to do what we're doing then don't be here. At one level, it's quite an abandonment of deshi. Because you're leaving them to their own homeostasis, to deal with it on their own. But I think at another level, there's a whole lot of assumptions that allow us to see it as a kind of abandonment. Empirically, what I've noticed is I've been I've had teachers, all of my teachers employed that technology. And it does not work all the time. In fact, when you have a person who operates through a will to power and you now employ this anti-homeostasis, it only solidifies their will to power. It, It turns what was traditionally and historically a path to freedom, it turns it into an act of abuse. And now this person is just an abused person utilizing a will to power. They actually become more ingrained in it, not less. My own studies... to that happening because we don't have the same level of investment in our training today as we did as human beings when that technology was utilized and developed. We don't live with the master. Our occupation is not part of the practice. And so we just are, we're coming to a class, couple hours, some of us, most of us, right? A few hours a week. Here we're rare, right? Here it's rare. Most people train daily, but even then, it's a couple hours a day for most people. All you're doing is having having Violence acted upon you. And if your worldview is engulfed by a, world, a will to power, that experience of violence is only solidifying that if you could have this power that you feel being employed over you, your fear and meaninglessness and your suffering would go away. It, it only ingrains it all the deeper. So, the cessation of this ancient technology is not really all that negative a thing. Because there's no positive alternative on the other end. And when you look deeper at what actually makes a self-transformation possible, you realize that while there may be some assistance that can be generated externally, such as when the sensei employs such an anti-homeostatic technology, such as violence, violence, When you look deeper, it actually, even then, only functions when the receiver of it lets go. It is disciplined enough to let go. And so that's how I come to it now. you don't have the hours... And the investment for this technology to do anything other than reify your will to power and your attachment to the modern material world. And if you want out, you can only do it in the same way that human beings have done it for centuries, and that is, do it yourself. let go and discipline yourself. And so if I see a deshi who can't let go of their old way and is not disciplined enough to let go, it starts to beg the question, why are you here? And there is no sound answer to that. That's why we have that You've watched me lately tell people you should take a leave of absence. Take four months off. Take two months off. And think about whether you want to be here or not. Don't contribute any dues. Just think about it because you're not really here. And in every case, what have we found? Did anybody go see the light and come back? No, they all went on their way. Which was how they were all along. Now that changes when you have your own children training. Because your own children, they're closer to meeting the context within which this technology was developed and utilized. They live with you. But it is very possible today for many instructors, especially men, to be a father and to be in the household, but to not actually be there. They go to work. They might give their son or daughter a little pep talk, a little mentoring, and they feel satisfied with that. They have maids and nannies and teachers for everything else. Groups and teams. If you look at it, someone is always raising their children. It's not, it's, it is an accepted part of the modern world. In reality, even... as women have entered the workplace to their own disadvantage the irony of history to their own disadvantage they have still kept the household is still theirs and the rearing of children is still theirs and so these fathers are these ones they're not They are, again, far from the ancient civilizations where this technology of violence was used. If, if you look at even a more well-known well today Spartan culture, those sons got separated from their mothers and went to live in a kind of commune of fathers, And they utilized the technology of violence. And they produced warriors, not men who had PTSD and were struggling through childhood trauma, do you see? Because it took place. The technology was utilized within a system by which it would function. Not as a beatdown, but as a stress inoculation. So today, there's, there's fathers, they might be sensei, and they might have sons, but if their foot or leg or their entire body is in the current of modern materialism, that worldview, they're probably still far from having the context in which violence could be utilized in a constructive, positive way. And what you end up doing, should you use it, is you just negate and subvert and destroy your relationship with your son or daughter. You make it worse. And I think this is where that Instructor was coming from. He knows the technology of violence is used to combat that homeostatic energy that prevents self transformation, but he won't risk being the utilizer of it, not with his own children. So he'll have some other instructor do it. I think for all of you deep down, I would ask that you understand worldview in this way and that you understand how they are constructed. And weaved through every aspect of who we are and how transformation can occur and why it should occur, but that you take seriously this responsibility. To transform as a self responsibility. That you don't expect the teacher to be in the classical sense of the hen pecking on the outside of the shell while you peck from the inside. But that instead, you peck your way out on your own. You free yourself. You will have to be stronger to do it. But in that have to, you are made stronger for having done it. This concludes this episode of Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit SensionCenter.com, S E N S H I N C E N T E R.com, or find us at Facebook at Sension Center and on our YouTube channel at Sension One. Thank you for listening.